What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. And I have to say, um, I'm excited about this one. Uh, this is a conversation. I'm recording this this intro uh, on Monday night. This is a conversation I had over the weekend with a gentleman by the name of Aubrey Omari. Um if you perhaps have a teenage son at home or you are just into watching like comic book stuff, um, you've probably seen Aubrey because he was one of the leads on uh, Cloak and Dagger, which was a Marvel show that was on for a couple of seasons on Freeform. Um, I actually watched a couple episodes of it when it was on. It was pretty good. I got to say um, he's in it. He was really good in it. And he's been in a bunch of other stuff, too. And uh, he has since, a couple months ago, put out his debut album, 21, which is, uh, you could find, it's it's XXI, so we're using the Roman numerals for that one. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, I've listened to a couple tracks on it, and uh, it's, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's really good. Um, but why is Aubrey on this episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast? That's because Aubrey is a massive Knicks fan, so... We talk a lot about the Knicks um, in the latter part of the episode, but first we talk a little bit about his career and kind of his journey making it out of uh, Brooklyn to, you know, L.A. and and his career. And it's a really interesting conversation. And I know, you know, a lot of times on this podcast, we're, we're so in the weeds about um, the Knicks and the salary cap and the draft and everything else. And that's. Listen, I love having those conversations and I hope you love listening to those conversations. But sometimes I just like to talk to Nick fans who have made it in the world and uh, get their perspective on stuff. Uh, he's also young, which makes me feel young, um, which was another reason I really enjoyed this conversation. But um, you're going to really love it because he's he's awesome and he's super talented. And uh, it was great to talk to him. So uh, Aubrey Omari coming up in a few minutes. Um, also just a reminder, if you are listening to this and you like this podcast and you ever occasionally read things on the internet, do me a favor, subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter. One, because I write it every day, every weekday at least. Um, and two, it's free. So you could, uh, just go to my Twitter bio, uh, JC Macri MBA, and you could click on the link right there and, uh, subscribe. And you get it delivered to your inbox every day. And, you know, you want to read it once a week, twice a week, once a month, whatever. It's there for you. And there's always something good in there. I actually have 
little something on, uh, well, I guess by the time you hear this, it'll be out there. So, uh, yeah, a Chris Paul thing that, um, I'm sure will raise some eyebrows. Anyway, um, that's the second thing. There was one other thing that I wanted to say before I got to the interview. Oh, yes. How could I forget the most important thing in the world, especially that the NFL season is back? You know what time it is. It's time to win money. And that means my bookie. So my bookie, in case you don't know, um, what is my bookie? It's a place where you can, you know, make some wagers and uh, maybe win a little bit of dough. So winning season, that means watching live sports and betting live on the NFL, on the NBA, whatever you want. And here's the thing with my bookie, if you use promo code overtime, you can double your first deposit up to $1,000 in free play. So that means if you have never signed up with MyBookie before and you're like, I want to bet money on sporting events, just go to MyBookie, type in the promo code overtime, and whatever you whatever money you're going to put down, you could double that up to $1,000 in free play. This is, it's. I mean, listen, they want you to, you know, gamble. So it's, 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 it's a pretty good deal if you're going to do it anyway. And I know, you know, new season, a lot of people get into the stuff. So, um, bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win. Again, the promo code is overtime and one other nice bonus overtime is going all in for our listeners, which means we're giving away $500 cash. $500 cash, that's a lot of money, to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. So what you're going to do, when you make your deposit, you're going to take a screen grab of your MyBookie account, and you're going to email it to overtime at advertisedcast.com. So go to MyBookie, put in the promo code overtime, take a screen grab of that sign-up page, and um, yeah, just email that to overtime at advertisedcast.com. C-A-S-T dot com. And then $500 will be given away to one lucky person at the end of this month. It could be you. It could be. You never know. Crazy shit happens all the time. All right. Um, I think that's it. So without further ado, let me get to my interview with Aubrey Omari. All right. Joining me on the Knicks Film School podcast right now, um, I don't get many celebrities on this show because, you know, if famous people like rooting for the Knicks, they, I think they keep that to themselves, but there are the exceptions. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm always honored to get someone who, uh, is actually doing something phenomenal with their lives and, uh, and wants to come on here and, and talk a little Knicks and, and talk some other stuff with me too. So, um, honored to welcome to the program. Uh, he just dropped his debut album a few months ago, uh, 21. You've seen him on Cloak and Dagger as, uh, one of the title characters on that show and a bunch of other stuff. He is out there in the world in every way that, uh, a person can be just absolutely killing it. Uh, Aubrey Omari, welcome to the program, man. How you doing? Oh my God, what's going on? I'm, I'm gonna need you to introduce me everywhere I go now. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, that was beautiful shit. Let's let's okay. We we got a lot to talk about, but let's start with the important thing. Where in Brooklyn are you from? I should know this, but I don't know this. Where, where, what part of Brooklyn? Yeah, no, it's it's not really uh broadcasted anywhere like that. So I would understand. I'm 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 from. Uh, I was born in Kenosha. Um. 
and then I moved to uh, to the East when I was about two years old. So I I would technically say that I'm from East New York, but um, you know, I, I would say Canarsie in East New York. Okay, because I I as you know, because I think you've listened to the show before. I'm a teacher mm. in in Borham Hill, and a lot of my students come from uh, e- more East New York than Canarsie. Canarsie is a little bit of a trip to to get to Borham Hill from, uh, you know, to make that trip every morning. So yeah, mm. no, I, I, a lot of my kids are from are from East New York. I'm gonna have to brag to them that that I had you on. Um, That's what's up. That's and and now you're in LA, obviously doing big things. When how mm-hmm. how long have you been in LA for? Damn, I, I think it's been probably it's, it's, it's tricky because I, I originally came out here to to go to USC for acting school. Um, it's, it's it's literally just crazy how everything came together. Like, I, you know, I've, I've been acting since I was pretty young. Um, but you know, I had been looking for like my big, you know, what I'm saying my my big break. Like, I, I had you know, done a few movies here and there and sure, yeah. like guest star roles on TV shows and all that. But, you know, my first ever gig was with Lion King uh, on Broadway out there. So, you know, I started like my whole acting career with that. And then, you know, I was just looking for something else that would be on that kind of level. But, you know, when you're growing up, you, you, you see all the famous people and, and celebrities and stuff. And first you're like, mom, I want to be famous. And then, you know, I kind of just fell in love with acting to the point where it's like, yo, I could do this shit for free. Like, I just, I love this shit. You know what I mean? Can I ask you something on that? Because I, I have a lot of friends because yeah. I, once upon a time, I, 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 as will surprise nobody that I have a frigging podcast in which I hear myself talk every week. I had thought about being an actor and I actually, I went to a conservatory after college and afterwards I was like, I, I, it hit me like, oh man, I'm just not going to walk into this profession and like do it. It's going to be really hard. And an actor said to me, if you could have a backup plan, as in like, if, if there's anything else you could do, then you're not meant to do it. The people who make it in this business are the people who this is the only thing they could ever imagine doing. Do you, do you feel like that's, that's true? For sure. For sure. But I mean, I, I really feel like that goes for, for anything, bro. You know what I mean? Like with, with, with your podcast. That's fair. That's fair. You know, to, to be doing it this long and to, to be in the journalism business, uh, business, you know, while you're teaching and all that, it's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. You, you love doing this. So, you know, and you're good at it. So, um, I, I think, I think that's the, the, the most beautiful thing about life and just the most beautiful thing about my story, uh, too. And probably yours as well. It's just like to, to just grow up, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where you're from. Where, where are you from again? So I was born and raised in, in Staten Island, New York, which is like, okay. If Brooklyn wasn't cool at all, it would be Staten Island. If if you took Brooklyn and you took away all the redeeming qualities about Brooklyn, and I apologize because I know I have listeners that live in Staten Island and are happy in Staten Island, <laughs> and I'm not trying to throw any shade, but listen, I spent the first mm-hmm. 18 years of my life there, and I could say some shit. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm from. Yeah, right. So you know, I'm sure just growing up in Staten Island. You know, you probably grew up a Knicks fan. Who knew that you would, you know, be covering the Knicks and that a lot of people would really fuck with you for covering the Knicks. You know what I mean? So with with me, it's just like, 
if you have life and if you have drive and if you have just that 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 will to actually work hard, um, it's kind of like it doesn't really matter what your circumstances are. You know, it's just it's about how you either overcome those circumstances or use those circumstances to your advantage. So that's like that's like my what I pride my my life off is just like you know I come from a place where nobody fucking makes it out. You know what I'm saying so, uh, and and to to have you know. You know, kind of, kind of, just be on this trajectory just from a young age. It was it just kind of showed me that when I was that age, I was like, yo, I might be actually destined for some shit, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if no, I, if I'm like one of the first kids to to really make it out, and I'm I'm nine, ten years old right now, it's like, and you know, maybe maybe I'm meant to do this shit for my life. So, so I'm I'm curious because I think. I, this is me, me talking because I obviously I never, I, I'm not a professional athlete. I've never made it in any kind of big way in any walk of life. And I think, mm-hmm. quote unquote, normal people look at athletes who make it to the pros, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want listen. I don't want to name any names, but like, okay, no, I'm going to name a name. Guy like Dennis Smith mm-hmm. Jr. Right? Dennis Smith Jr. was he was number one recruit the whole thing. Obviously, top ten, top yeah. ten pick, and now I don't mean to call him out. Yeah. He's an example that's on the team right now. But there's there's littered throughout professional sports, not only the NBA, guys who they I think come from maybe similar circumstances to you, where you come from a place where like you're not supposed to make it out of here. You're supposed to stay down there, and then yeah. they make it, and then there's it's like they've made it. Okay, I'm here. Do you feel like mm-hmm. so? You obviously you had the show. It was a massive success. Um, you got the album mm-hmm. now. I'm sure there's, I mean, Lion mm-hmm. King itself. I mean, even that, even though you were young, that's something that people work their whole lives for in acting and never they never get to that place to be in such a huge Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like that, that temptation to sit back and be like, okay, I'm here. I'm good. I could relax now because I, I feel like that's something, that's the difference between the good ones and the great ones. Right, right. And that's... <laughs> Dennis Smith is a pretty good example of that. I feel bad. No, I shouldn't have said his name. I feel bad. Maybe I'll go edit that no, out. No. You know, it's, it's no disrespect. It's no disrespect, but I, but I, I, I see what you're saying. It's, it's just, for me, it's like the idea of celebrity and the idea of like this whole famous people are different than the quote-unquote normal person that society and like the media kind of pushes. I fucking hate that shit because to me, I'm still like, I'm still that that kid that was just dreaming of even being here. So I, I, it doesn't matter what the fuck I do. If I, I could win an Oscar, a Grammy, and a Tony in the same day and still want to go back to my block and go get a bacon, egg, and cheese with my devil. <laughs> still, you know what I mean? Like, no, man, for me, I hear you. And 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 I have I have family and and, and my girl and my, my my you know what I'm saying my my OGs and just my people that keep me grounded. So I, I never I, I can never get to the point where it's like yo, uh, I did this so I I made it and and I'm better than this person and I'm this and I'm this. My my thing is I'm always going to be hungry and I'm always looking to learn and I'm always just. You know, my thing is really just to inspire, bro. Like it's it's not to 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 really shit on anyone or or to feel like 
I'm on this weird level. It's just like, bro, I'm I'm a I'm a normal person. Like I bleed the same blood as everybody else. I go, you know, we we all, we're all human. So, for me, it's just like I still am that kid. And and the only thing that changed was I got a few jobs that worked out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm still that same guy that that is always gonna be a dreamer and is always gonna be that that humble cat. You know what I mean? And and I think that. That works for 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 the most people, like and you know Kobe was one of one of my biggest inspirations, and it's you know it was a guy who's you know believed in himself. He was picked thirteen. He, you know, obviously when you when you, I mean that that was one of the craziest drafts ever. But you know he's it, it's it's a debate that he should should have been the number one pick in that draft. No. I mean, if you know, if that draft over, gets I mean, done over again, he's it's not even. I mean, exactly. all, all due respect to Iverson, who I'm listen, love Iverson, but of course he's the first pick in that draft. Yeah, for sure. So it's like shit like that. It's like even though I, I I'm I, you know I've accomplished some shit in life, it's like there was a lot of times that I was told no, and there was a lot of times that I was slept on, and you know even musically now, just you know. Starting music is 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 a completely different thing from acting. So now I'm trying to make my name in music as well, you know, which is why I just I know that in this life nothing is fucking given to you. You know what I mean? So it's it's just about the work, bro. You you know. Like, well, I, so no, I, and I'm, I I want to actually because I think it's an interesting thing that you started off. I mean, I'm sure music has, well, let me ask you, has music always been an interest to you or I'm assuming it has because you're, you're too good for yeah. it not to be. Okay. So, you know, it's like being an actor. I feel like if you get that one break, if you get that one role and then you're a name, you're a face, you're someone that can be mm-hmm. marketed by the people in the room who makes the, make those type of decisions with music. Right. I feel like it's a, not to say that there isn't some of that going on, but especially if you're someone that's obviously writing your own lyrics, which, you know, goes without saying you do, it's a, it's a different mm-hmm. thing. Cause I, I wonder, you know, for you and you, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you do this to inspire people. Is there mm-hmm. ever that conflict as far as like, well, I, I could maybe put a record out there that's going to sell, but I don't, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not from me. It's not, you know, where the play, you know what I mean? As opposed to, I'm going to put out something that's authentic. And if it does well, it does well. If it doesn't do well, like, are you, do you have to kind of go through that process in your head or is it not even a thing that you think about? Yeah, it was, it was a struggle at first. That's a great question. Actually, it was, uh, you know, being on that show, um, you know, it's, you know, catered to a lot of teenagers and, and, you know, you know, the, the young adult, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, genre. So, you know, it was hard. It, it, it would have been kind of impossible for me to really drop music back then because I had such a uh, uh, kind of a, an unspeaking like duty to be this role model that, you know, you're not really allowed to fully, fully, fully show yourself or fully show who you are. And that sure, was a struggle yeah. for me at first. Um, because if, if, you know, if anybody listens to my album, if, if I was to release something like that, being like the lead on a team fucking, you know, show and with my little team choice award nominations and shit like that. Congratulations like, for like, that, by the way. I saw that. You should, I, I hope that's, uh, I hope that's on a plaque somewhere in your house. 
<laughs> That's great. No, it's, it's it's funny. Like you know, just just being just just actually growing up and just looking back at it, it's just it's it's. Look at the time. It was like, yo, that's that's crazy. Like you know, in, in the moment, it's like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you know, I kind of used to watch this growing up, but now you kind of look back and it's like, now I'm I'm just really trying to like re, not not necessarily rebrand because I'm I'm always me, but it's just like now, like I even have these conversations with my with my team. It's like. I'm not really interested in, 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 in really doing a lot of that anymore because I just really want to be now at, at the point in, in my life being 21 and, and, you know, feeling like I'm fucking 30 something. Uh, Does it really feel that way? Like, do you, do you attribute that to the business that it feels like you've aged? It's aged you. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. Just, I mean, I, you know, my first job, you know, when Lion King is like, Bro, you're 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 nine, ten years old, surrounded by adults all day, and like, I got coke and dagger when I was, I think, seventeen or eighteen, and that's like, it was, you know, my first year, because obviously I I went to college, and then I I literally only went to college for a semester, like, I I moved out to LA, you know, well I came out to 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 visit to LA, um. Because uh, I was picking, you know, which college conservatories I was going to go to and all that type of shit. And, and, and my agents in New York were like, you, you got to meet this manager out there or, or a few managers. If you like her, though, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's, she would be a, a great fit. So, you know, we flew out to go over to USC and then I went to meet with her and we just hit it off. Like, and, and you know, we've obviously been family for about three or four years now, but then, you know, I kind of just knew and she told me, she was like, I really feel like if you come out here and you go to USC, it would be a great way for you to, you know, still, you know, study your craft while you're going on these auditions. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I really don't think you'll be in school for more than like two or three years. And I was like, Shh, I hope so. Like, <laughs> shit, if I could, if I could, if, if that could happen, shit. And then literally, you know, I, I lasted one semester, like, and then the blessing just came, you know what I mean? So it's like, when that happens to you at such an, a, a young age, it's like you're forced to, like, fall in line. You can't, like, sit back and smell the roses and be like, wow, this is really happening. It's like, no, nah, it's time to get to work. When, when, when I booked that job, I literally flew out uh, the next day. I flew oh, wow. out to New Orleans the next day. Uh, and... You know, with Marvel, they're so secretive that we didn't even get the script until I actually had my first fitting. So, you know, <laughs> Are you kidding I, me? I literally only got like maybe a few days to really sit with the script before we actually started shooting. So, and and I'm I'm the new kid on the block. Like I'm, you know, Olivia. You know, she's like a, a Disney Channel star and shit at the time. So another musician, actress too, uh, like like yourself, yeah. And you know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the new kid, and and you know I'm I'm the black kid too. So it's like any any little mistake that I do, it's gonna be looked at weird. So for me, I'm like I gotta work thirty times harder than everybody on the set right now to prove myself and to prove that I belong. So and and to actually make sure that this show does well because you know my whole career, I ha I have been the supporting guy on the, you know what I'm saying like the supporting sure, yeah. guy in, in, in you know, guest role or something like that. But now it's like, yo, this is your show. Like, you gotta, 
ain't no taking no breaks. Ain't, you know what I mean? Like, you're working every single day about 13, 14 hours a day, and it's like, we don't give a fuck if you've never been in the league before. Prove yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, you know, having to balance that with, you know, it being like my first or second year, just like not being under my mom's household and, you know, just balancing, you know, you know, uh, just being independent. And well, I was about to say, like, you're still a kid or, during that time. Look, I, I'm, I, I could say it cause I'm older. Like I remember what it was like to barely to be 18 years old. You don't know your ass from your elbow. And like you just said, you're carrying a major TV show. I, I cannot imagine. And, and by the way, in a place that you did not grow up and you, um, you know, I, I'm sure you knew a couple people that you met through the business, but, um, that could not have been easy. Um, to say the least. No, yeah, it was. It, I actually was depressed, bro, that first season because you know I was away from family. I didn't know nobody out there, and it's like it, I'm sure you know this. When you work a when you work a job and you finally have two days off, it's like you don't really feel like going anywhere. Really, you just want to like lay and and you know spend time with your family and rest so you can actually be recharged for when Monday hits you like a fucking brick and like, you know what I mean? It's like that weekend, it's like you could blank it and it's Monday again. And if there's no one there for you to hang out with, that's that's not... Nobody, it's nobody to lay on, it's nobody to... to and at this point, you know, whenever you get a chance to, to look at the show, it's the first season is really dark, bro. So like, you know, I, I, I basically am not Aubrey anymore. I go to, I wake up mad early every morning, I go to work, I come home from work and I have to study lines for the for the next day. So the only two days out of the week that I get to be Aubrey is on a weekend, but I don't feel like Aubrey because I've been this character all week. You know what I mean? And and there's no me time. There's no time to actually like be in the real world. You know what I mean? So for me, and especially that just being my first time doing that, it was hard at first. Yeah, you know I mean, and, and, and on the weekend, I, I just found myself like, bro, I don't feel like going anywhere. I don't feel like talking to anybody because I was just on set talking to everybody all fucking day in, in front of a camera saying a line 30 takes in a row. You know what I mean? But I was about to I was about to say it's unusual. Usually there's a there's a process that people go through mm-hmm. where, OK, you know, one off here, one off there. Okay. I got a three episode stretch here, three episode stretch there. And then maybe you mm-hmm. get the break. I'm not going to say you skipped a lot of those steps because you, you obviously you earned it, but just from a perspective of mm-hmm. you didn't have that slow build, uh, slow build up to the play. Like you, like you said, they threw you right in. And that I have to think is a bit of a shock to the system because like you said, you're it's mm-hmm. lines every day. It's new scripts every day. You're in character. And I, I'm familiar with the show. Mm-hmm. I, from the little bit already that I could tell about you from talking to you for the last half hour, you, who you are mm-hmm. is very different from the guy that you are on that show. So I, I yeah, very, 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 you know, and, and you're young and, in, and you're in a new place. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, look, it's, it, are you, ha- are you, I'm sure you're happy it happened, right? Even looking back now, even as hard as it was. Bro, to me, I, I kind of look at it, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, I kind of look at it like getting drafted, you know, and, and, you know, that was, that was the, that was the year that I got my, 
I guess my 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 number one pick or something like that. <laughs> you know, I like that. How these players they they prepare for the draft all all throughout uh, high school and then they get recruited by the college. Like I basically did all of that same thing. Like uh, you know, after I, you know after I because uh, uh, I was homeschooled for middle school because I was in Lion King the whole fucking time. So. Um, you know, when I had to pick my what high school I was going to go train at, um, you know, I, I picked a high school that would still kind of let me work and still kind of be on set, you know, okay. while going there. So, um, yeah, so I had been training for four years of my life every day, kind of preparing me for to even be able to get a role like that. So I, I will say, like, it, it wasn't anything that wasn't at least, 90% prepared for because that that's what, you know, the training is for. It's like, you know, because everybody at, at that point, you, you want that first job. You want that job. and Oh, sure. You work your so whole life for it. You for, exactly. Exactly. So, but, but it was just, you know, it's, it's one of the greatest things to ever happen to me, bro. Like just, you know, I, I literally used to work in Times Square every day and then I got the chance to, to go back, with my mom and to see like your billboard right smack in the middle of time. It's just, <laughs> that I, is like an unexplainable feeling, bro. Like and it, it never feels real. Yeah. But you're, you're still humble and that's like that, you, that comes through. And I, I have to think the first, you know, what you were saying before, if you let that get to your head, that that's not, a, it can't be a good thing. Yeah, hell no. I mean, it, it, it takes, but it also takes the, the love out of it. It also takes, like, the fun out of it. Because when, when you get to the point where you're like, oh, I made it, you know, I'm done now. It's like everything else is going to feel like a drag or like you're still doing it just to keep that ego or something like that. Like, for me, bro, this is, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. So, um you know, and and, and I, I just I'm very thankful for like Marvel and and everybody for taking a chance on me. But you know, that's the thing about this too. Like I said before, it's like when you get that opportunity, and you know, I'm uh, you you know you're you're very I, I think modest is the word and humble. But like the podcast is really fucking good. You do a really good job, and and you know the average Knicks fan you know, has it at least seen you, you know, for, for a source or at least knows who you are. So, uh, I'm sure even in that, it's hard to, to come to grasp with that yourself. You know what I mean? Because um, with, with this, it's just like you, you work hard to get to the point and then you don't really have time to sit back and smell the roses. You got to keep making a podcast every week. Like you do, you have to keep going with life. You know what I mean? It's first of all, I'm, I'm not good at taking compliments, so I'm gonna I'm gonna practice this. Thank you very much. <laughs> I really, it just, it makes me so uncomfortable, um, but I do appreciate it. And I, look, it's a it's a different type of thing. It's a different scale, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I hear you 100. percent You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine recently. And we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, some, some things that I have in mind for the season that, um, you know, we'll see, maybe they work, maybe they don't. And he turned, you know, mm-hmm. he, he said to me, he's like, you got to go into the Knicks locker room and interview players. Anything else you do at this point is gravy. Like, you know, and it's funny no, because I, no, but I like from, you know, you're a Knicks fan, I'm a Knicks fan. The thought of that. Um, but you're right. I, I don't ever really sit back and think about that. Um, 
Speaking of the Knicks, okay, so I, let me start. I always, I'm always, I'm always curious whenever I talk to someone who was born or essentially born. I mean, you were, you were born, you were 98 or 99, one, one of those two, right? Yeah, 98. 98. Okay. So, so, you know, the last time we actually went to the fucking final. <laughs> yes. I, you don't, you know, unless you have a really good memory for a one year old, you, you were, you do not remember that. I am always curious to hear, cause clearly you're a passionate fan. I'm always curious to hear how people as young as you get hooked. So tell me, where is the genesis of your Knicks fandom? Where to start? So, I guess it really, really starts from my mom. Uh, and I guess she gets it from my great uncle, who's, you know, my, my grandma's brother. Um, you know, my mom was just a huge Knicks fan, you know, and, and I mean, pretty, I'm, you know, it was easy to be a Knicks fan, you know, in the 90s. Oh, it, was, it was great. It was amazing. The captain, of course. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, the majority of a lot of Knicks, I mean, a lot of New Yorkers were Knicks fans. So, you know, my mom was a avid Knicks fan. She would watch all the games. Uh, and then that passed down to my older brother, who's like an idol of mine. Um, and then we actually, we've been talking about doing a, a, starting a podcast for the longest time. I just, we're just trying to find the right way to start it and, and how to make sense of it and, and all that. And we'll, we'll talk about that later because I'm going to need your advice with that. <laughs> I'll give you whatever I got. I don't have much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's it called? Yeah. So, uh, he, you know, he started, you know, getting hooked on the Knicks and then, you know, kind of just passed down to me and my younger brother. But, you know, obviously, you know, seeing Nate Robinson and like, you know, that one, one you know, and when we had Jay Crawford and, you know, those seasons was when I, you know, kind of like really started watching. But the season that got me hooked, hooked um, was definitely uh 2012, 2013. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I could have guessed that. I was, was going to be my guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm the younger generation, but, you know, obviously we, we do our research and we, you know, I, I know as much as you could know about the Knicks, but the, the year that actually hooked me in where I, I, I can tell you that I watched every single game that year was 2012, 2013, because, um, you know, obviously when we got Melo, Melo was my favorite player before he even was in New York. Like, oh, really? Okay. From Syracuse. You know, I was, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was real young when he was at Syracuse, but like Syracuse Mello and, and Denver Mello, like that was my favorite player. Like, and, but, but he's my favorite player of all time. So, um, but, um, nah, so when he came, I was like, oh, are you serious? Like, this is, you know, a match made in heaven. You know, I, I wish we would have just got him in free agency, but, you know, that's a, that's another story for it. <laughs> Listen, story. it's, you know, as we watch Jamal Murray, keep the, uh, keep the nuggets alive today. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to talk about that, that trade today. But anyway. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, 2012, 2013, uh, because I really felt like we had a shot that year. If, if you know, if we were actually healthy. You know, injuries fucking killed us that year. Well, uh, you know, with Melo's shoulder going in and out, and then Stoudemire just being in, even Tyson Chandler. Chandler was not right. He wasn't right for that Indiana series. And I, I'll always, you know, obviously everybody's always going to talk about the Hibbert block. They lost that series in mm-hmm. game one. I remember it, you talk about Times Square. I was in some 
God, it was like some dumpy Irish bar, like off of Times Square. Don't ask me what, how I ended up there. I was meeting, um, I had just started dating my wife. I was, I think it was actually one of the first times we went out to watch a game, meeting two buddies, sitting there watching that game. That was one mm-hmm. of the more low key depressing Knicks games I could remember in my life, game one, because they were never really in that game. They didn't get blown out, yeah, but they no. were, it was not a, it was not a close game. Um, you want, can I tell you a, a quick funny story? That season, I've never What's told up? this on the podcast, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for anybody who was living in New York at the time, obviously remembers that was right after uh, Hurricane Sandy. And so I spent right. all of opening night. It was a, a, the game against the Heat that they blew out the Heat and Novak was just going nuts. I spent that entire game listening to it on my car radio on a gas line. I was on that gas line for, I think, wow. about four hours. Yeah. for I And finally... I think I they may have won the game right as I got to the pump, and I was like, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe it. Um, that was a great team, man. It was a great team. That's tr- they almost didn't even play that first game. Now that you say that, right? They almost got postponed because of uh, because of Sandy. That makes that makes sense. I actually, I'm trying to think of that. I forget. It's been a little while. My as I'm older, I, my memory fades. But they, yeah, that makes sense that they almost didn't play it. Um, and then they got off to the what was it six and zero or eight and zero? I remember they were the last undefeated team in the league. So that yeah, it was something like that, bro. It was it was just a crazy like Raymond Felton was looking good. Like I was, it was just like, bro, what is going on this year? Like it was just, it was the perfect season for some reason. Do you, do you have a favorite J.R. Smith memory? Oh, uh, I do actually. It's it's and it's. It, it could be the the shot against uh uh what was it Charlotte or uh, the Suns. But I remember the Suns shot. I remember when we first signed him out of like China or something like that. Playing in China for the lockout, so that was the uh, previous season. Yes. Yeah. So when when we first signed him and it was like his first time back in the NBA, I just remember how like hype I was to actually see him back in the court and actually see him. You know, doing good for the Knicks. I think that was the year that he had that that uh that like reverse dunk against. Oh him. my goodness, that yeah, was. That was just like, bro. That's still a top a really ten. Good that's a top ten in game. Certainly a top ten in game Knicks dunk. Actually, that might be the the best in game. If we if we put aside the dunk, the Starks dunk over you know Jordan and and whatnot, mm-hmm. that that's almost in its own category. But in just in terms of like how good a dunk it is and not like who it was over or anything. That might be the best in-game yeah. dunk in history. I don't know. That's up there. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, another slept on moment is, is Shunk's putback that he had against the Pacers too. That shit was insane. I remember watching that from the crib and going crazy. Do you remember that one? I, I do. Um, yeah, that was like a busted. Speaking of like busted plays, the one that sticks out to me is from 12-13, the OKC game, it was on a Sunday. Um, again, oh, yeah. me, me watching with my soon to be wife. You know, it's a it's crazy that the two of us got married. We enjoyed watching Knicks games and bars together. Who would have thunk that we'd work out? Um, and there was like, it was like a loose ball and he, it had to be for more than 30 feet, the three that he put in, mm-hmm. um, towards the end of that game. That one's another one. So he really, you know, I don't know if he gets enough credit in Nick's in Nick's history. I mean, maybe because it didn't last that long when he was like really bringing it, and it was like so you know he got paid and 
started to enjoy the fruits of his um uh, the fruits of his labor, sh- shall we say? Um, Not so much. Well, yeah. Occasionally, you know. Um, shout out to John Wall, by the way. Did you see that clip floating around Twitter? Yeah, bro. It's. I feel bad for him. I feel bad too. Feel he bad. apologized it's, today. I couldn't. Get, I. I was like, you know, know what? Big up. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tricky situation with that. It's, it's like it's you know kind of what we were talking about before. When you get to the point where you're like a, a public figure, like you just don't get to be. You don't get to, 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 I guess, be yourself or, or be, you know, you know, I guess, be with your homies and, and, and do shit that, you know, normal people do because you're John Wall. Um, so, I, you know, should he have apologized? Should he have to apologize? I don't think so. But, you know, he's a public figure. He's, he, you know, there's a lot of kids that look up to him. He has a lot of different deals and stuff like that. So I understand why, you know, but he didn't do anything wrong. He was, I was, but I mean, unless maybe I missed something, I didn't watch the video that close, but he's having fun. He's, you know, he's having drinks with his, but I like, exactly. Exactly. Like, man, but, if I had to know, apologize every time I ever did that in my life, Oh shit, uh, man, uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there are a lot of tweets out there. That's just that, that tricky, that tricky, like double standard with, 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 you know, public figures or whatever. I hate, fucking calling it that anyway but it's just that double they're out there it is what it is but um but no yeah JR that 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 game against OKC didn't he have like fucking like 10 plus threes or something like that um, I know he he had some crazy he had a lot Um, that was I think that might have been my favorite regular season game of the year because it was back and forth it was competitive either that or the Golden State one although the Golden State one you know, all anybody remembers is Curry's, you know, the shimmy and, and coming out game. Yeah. And I, I, it's like every time I see that, all I want to say is like, we won the game. Like the next day lost. We, exactly. we won the game. And Raymond Felton blocked him or some shit like that. Yeah. We, yeah. It's, it's preposterous. I mean, but, you know, that's, that's the narrative with the Knicks. That's, that's the one thing I hate about, you know, the whole narrative. And it's, uh, it's it's really not even it's, it's it's a combination of a lot of things, but it's really you know the funniest thing is all these ESPN media shows are in New York. They shoot in New York, and all they do is bash the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like the 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 narrative that we have is really basically from media. You know what I mean? And um, it's 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 frustrating, but you know. It's it's funny that that you know which which uh which things they decide to report like you know the whole Leon Rose hiring all of these people that he just hired and and you know the coaching staff adding Mike Woodson Woodson and and, and uh uh you know the guy from Kentucky like Kenny Payne um, Johnny Bryant ESPN shows. yeah. you know what I mean like that that got no play on the little ESPN shows but when you know, KD says, "Oh, I didn't feel like going to New York." That gets played soon as soon as it happens. Next morning, it's 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 the first thing that you hear about the Knicks. Oh, Giannis is not going to the Bucks. Like, bro, I, I'm pretty sure the average Knicks fan right now knows that there's probably no way that we fucking get Giannis anyway. Well, I don't think we the, even are interested in getting Giannis. But that's I mean? the thing is, like, there is 
there are real Nick fans. I I, I don't I shouldn't say that because look, if you root for the team, whether you're a Fairweather fan or you're someone like who probably listens to this podcast, you're a fan. You get to mm-hmm. you know you you get to own that. But right. I. And, and I talk about this sometimes on the podcast. I think there is a bigger difference than people realize between the diehards that are like on Twitter and like really take it very seriously and like your casual fan who doesn't really maybe know what's going on. And and those those shows, I think the casual fan will listen to what ESPN says and they won't exactly. ju- they won't get mad. I think they literally I don't think they get mad. I think they just get like, oh well, I guess my team still sucks because they're not really paying close attention. Whereas if they exactly. were, they would see and look, we have no idea what Leon Rose and, and all and we don't know what any of these people are gonna do. They could fall flat on their face. But if you look at That's it true. objectively, they had as good an offseason as you could possibly have in terms of assembling all of the pieces that are going to try to turn the thing around and it's, and you, but, but that doesn't sell. That's not going to drive ratings. So, you know, it is what it is. That's why, that's why I actually prefer this. And I actually, you know, when, when Leon first got hired and and he, it took him a minute to ever even address the press or the media. I I like that at first, because it's like, let's stop with the whole hope line shit. And and let's just get to work. You know what I mean? Because, you know, honestly, I you know I'm 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 that Knicks fan that is like overly optimistic and is like always like, yo, we're gonna make the AFC this year. So <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, Don't me, apologize for that, please. You know, I love it. <laughs> so with me, it's like I I see optimism in in every move that we do. Like when we, you know, it's it's funny because um, I had actually gotten. Uh, to know KD the the same off season that a lot of us thought he was coming here. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and I posted. Uh, <laughs> oh no! What are you gonna say? I'm afraid. No, yeah, I, I I posted like you know when when they you know when it came out that he decided to go to the next. I posted uh, this like meme or something that said like you know Carmelo Anthony was the only one that actually wanted to come to New York and take on a challenge. And he immediately responded to my story with mad laughing faces. I'm like, bro, you're gonna like, you're gonna just stick the knife into my little wound even more, like on this day like this, and we just signed fucking Taj Gibson, bro. <laughs> right. Listen, I loved. Uh, I gotta tell you, of all the guys they signed last summer, Taj is the one guy I will never say a bad word about. That dude, I, I'm, I, I, I hear no, you. No, no, no. I hear you though. I hear you. No, I, I, I love yo. I, I love Taj. I love I love what he stands for. Brooklyn, a, Brooklyn a boy, Brooklyn cat too. Exactly, and I, I think we should. I think he'll definitely be here next year. I think he's going to be around. Maybe maybe but on a different contract, but I think he'll be here. Yeah, and and, and I want to talk about that too about who you you know want to see return next year. But it was just the principle of the the fucking Kyrie Kemba KD hype. Even the little weird source that came out and said that Kawhi and and was going to take a meeting with us, it goes from that in the same summer, in the same day to in the same day you sign. Todd wasn't Taj Gibson like our second signing. So let me see second? if I remember. I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I've blocked this day out of my memory, but I'm gonna try to remember. Randall Randall <laughs> was <laughs> Randall was the first one because that happened while I, I wasn't w- mad at, at first. 
it's at first it's not I go back. Listen, he's blocked me on Twitter, by the way. So I have no reason to say anything nice about Julius Randle. <laughs> it's Julius Randle was was faulted in for two in two ways. One, they put him in the worst. Literally, you could not put a roster less suited to help Julius Randle be good at basketball than the one that was put around him. Um, on with the possible exception of Alfred Payton, because they have nice chemistry together. But just from a you know the skills that are on the court, and then two. Those dudes, and I'm going to try to be kind here, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, what's the right word? They empowered him, which sometimes empowering a person is good. You like that at times. But but Julius Randle is not the guy to go to and be like, you're the guy. It's your team. It's, it's, it was the no. Tim Hardaway Jr. effect. It was the same fucking situation, bro. Like, you're giving a guy who's probably not even the number three option on a championship team. After he had one pretty good year, you're giving this guy the keys to your organization. And what player like that isn't going to look at the Knicks and look at the market and be like, yo. Because, you know, just just as a, a, a human being with a normally functioned brain, if somebody tells you, yo, we look at you like this, you're going to say to yourself, Shit, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can sell it to the plate. Because why wouldn't you do that? But then that turns into you hogging the fucking ball and trying to play hero ball and be the next mellow. And then, bro, like the the most fucking frustrating thing that probably just blew up my my whole hope for last year was there was only one. You can narrow it down to one. God bless you. <laughs> I can I can I can give you a moment where I knew. We ain't going no fucking way. You feel me? That was the next game. We were playing so fucking well until down. You know, Wayne Ellington hit all those threes to get us back in the game and all that. I remember. And then this fucking kid, Randall, at the end of the game, fucking takes it to the hole and spins and then it bounces off of his legs out of bounds. I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? And, and and some of that falls on Fisdale because he tried to use him, you know, not if not like LeBron James, like, I don't know, Blake Griffin or somewhere in between those two guys. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and look, I have no idea if Julius Randle is the type of guy that would have signed here if they sat across mm-hmm. before they slid that contract across the table. They said to him, look, you mm-hmm. walk in this door, you're just one of the guys. Maybe not. You're just one of the guys, but like. You will get there will be no favoritism. You will get no special treatment. You will you will be expected to, you know, be the first guy in practice, the last guy to leave. And they and what I've always gotten on him is they should have done their due diligence beforehand to be like, is this the type of guy that we want to, you know, hitch our hitch our wagon to? And I a I don't think they did any of that diligence and b um, Mm -hmm. clearly different different messages were conveyed. So so you're with me then that last season was. I don't want to say an atrocity because that's a little harsh because some good stuff. No, some good stuff happened. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty horrible, bro. But it wasn't fun. The, the great things that I took from it was, you know, I, I, I love Frank, bro. I, I think Frank is going to be uh, a really good player, especially on the tips. And I think I think people just look at him in a, in a weird way. And I feel like if he was on another team, he would be. Uh, probably 
seen in a better light because, you know, since we dropped him at, at that number, everybody just expected him to be the scoring guard that's going to give you fucking 20 or 17 every night. And it's like he does the little things that you that you need on, on a champion, championship team. And, you know, I, I, you know, I see a lot of Knicks fans that, you know, kind of compare him to Marcus Smart. But I, I feel like his shot, like his form, bro, is is really good. I think it was always always been good with somebody. You know, what I mean, if, if he gets with somebody to like really, really help the consistency of his shooting. He could be a guy that could give you like 13 or 15 every night and and make the defensive plays that we need. My question to you is is kind of like what what do you want to see next year? Who do you want us to bring back? Who like what do you think is most likely going to be like the starting lineup and, and shit like that? Oh like, goodness! And most likely starting line. Okay, let me take this one step at a time. Um, what yeah. do I what do I want is if if you're asking me what I actually really want, I wrote something to this effect at the end of last week where I basically was like, you know, and I, I, I've i been consistent about this. Play a brand of basketball that makes sense in the league today. Play, play. And that doesn't, you know, and that doesn't mean firing up 53s. That doesn't even, you know, that doesn't mean like not taking any mid-range shots. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. even mean a, a you know, it was uh, one particular system on defense. It just means go out there and when things go well, have the things that go well be a result of a sustainable plan in place as this is how we are going to play. And if when we get better players, the results will get better. But this is Nick's basketball. And we're going to go out and we're going to do it this way. And it's not something that relies on Julius Randle making moves in the paint or Marcus Morris hitting 40 whatever percent from three for the first time in his life. Um, or, you know, just like these rent, like last year they won these games, but it, it felt like there was nothing from last year that they could carry forward and be like, all right, we laid the foundation. They didn't lay shit last year. All you know, Yes, R.J. Barrett got some good reps. Mitchell Robinson got some good reps. Even Frank got some good reps. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Knox, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Knox. I'm still a believer in Knox. Anyway, I just yeah. want to see a year from now, we're sitting here having the same conversation, except in a year, it's like, okay, they only won 26 or 28 games, but they're, they mm-hmm. they have put the foundation in place in terms of this is what we're going to be as a team. And what what can that what is that going to look like? Listen, man, that's up to the coaching staff, and I believe in them, and I believe in the front office that they're thinking about these things. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the starting lineup, like, man, um, is anyone giving me anything for Randall? <laughs> uh, I shouldn't ask that. Yeah, I, I think that's the move that we got to make. Yeah, but that, I don't think you that move is out there. I, I know there's some rumors going around. I just, listen. What do I know? Maybe maybe they move him, but. Um, I want to see, I would like to see them get someone in the starting lineup who can take some of the, take some of the burden off of RJ, because I would like to see RJ take on a little bit more of a playmaking role this year. And I I think that that might be difficult. 
but mm-hmm. but at the same so I want to see someone take maybe a little bit of that burden off him but not in the way Randall did it I want to see someone and and that's tough man to get a guy who can do a little shot creation but is also not a gunner and is also and listen where is that player going to come from is that player Fred Van Fleet is that player Van Fleet I always mispronounce his name um you know is is it someone that we're going to get in the draft I don't I wish I had the answer to that question um I don't know, but I think they do need that guy from somewhere and they just, I'd like to see if, if they don't move Randall, I'd like to see them move him to the bench and I'd like to see them get somebody at the four who could shoot a little bit and maybe do a little playmaking. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's probably the best answer I could give you. I wouldn't mind seeing Frank start. Yeah, me either. That's, as soon as we got the eighth pick, I kind of just looked at it as like, First off, we we have a lot of fucking guards anyway. You know what I mean? So trading up to get Lamelo at this point, I don't know if that's the best thing for you anyway. You know what I mean? I I would look at 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 least Frank being being a, the the starter from day one, just because of what he can do under Tibbs, and I think Tibbs is going to want a defensive guy, and it's, I think he's going to want a, a pretty good defensive starting lineup anyway. Um, I agree, but I, you know, as far as the draft too, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at at guys like Vassal and and even Okoro, you know, kind of just, but but Okoro reminds me a little bit too much of Audrey Barrett, so that scares me. You know, he's he's a, he, you know, I mean, he's, he's a good finisher, and but I just don't really see the shooting, and and we really, really, really fucking need shooting at this. Well, point, I can bro. tell you, I I I have. St- intimated this in the past and I'll I'll say it maybe a little bit more strongly if Vassal's there unless Killian Hayes drops which is the one situation that I'm not sure what they'll do but assuming Hayes mm-hmm. is gone if Vassal's there I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna take Vass I, I do I feel I would be shocked if they didn't I think you have to yeah I think you have to I mean I, I think it's a really good fit especially if you have Frank RJ Vassal um, and if, if, if Vassal, you know, shoots at, at the same hot tip that he did in, in college, I think that would be a really good fit. Um, but I, I, I kind of doubt that Hayes drops. I think, I think the Pistons will get him because they're, they're feeling for a point guard. They really need a point guard. I agree. I think he'll, I think he'll go to Detroit as well. Um, listen, man, that, that team's not, if you're starting Frank, RJ and Vass, I, I, no one that they could put at the four you know, barring anything shocking like that team's not going to win a lot mm-hmm. of games, but I think that team will play mm-hmm. like I was talking about before. I think that team will play in a way that like we could look at and be like, okay, there's some going on here that I'm okay with. And I think, right. they'll, I think they'll defend. I think that's the biggest thing for me from, from RJ is I want to see where the defense is this year. I know everybody's focusing on the finishing fo- focusing on the shooting. He needs to get better mm-hmm. at the defensive end. And I don't know if that's meaning, you know, playing him more at the three and the four as opposed to the two and the three. Um, but right. I, I want to see that from him next year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he has the the drive, he has the body for it. Um, it's it's just about getting with it with it. And I mean, he you know he had Coach K, but I feel like it's about getting with a guy like Tibbs. I think Tibbs would be the perfect guy to to, to get most of these young guys bought in on on the defensive end. Um, but even to have a guy like Mike Woodson, um, and and Johnny Bright. You know, even him, he kind of seems to be, uh, you know, the the guy behind Donovan Mitchell's 
he uh, knows what uh, he's doing. You know what I mean? So I, I want to see how these young guys actually react to this coaching staff. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how Leon Rose does this. You know, if, if he goes to try and make a big move to get a Levine or like a, a, a heel, which I hope he really fucking does not do. I like there are a lot of moves that I'd be OK. I could talk myself into. Buddy Hill, they won't. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I can't get there. Bro, that would be fucking terrible. He's <laughs> a shooter, but I, I just, the, the, the defense is not there and he's just a one dimensional player. I, I don't know. It's 20, uh, $23 million a year on average for the next however many years that kind of four years. Um, oh, I need, yeah, I need, I need a little bit more. Need a little bit more from you. Just a, no, for sure. Just a bit. Um, I, th- that's the biggest question is, does he make a big move? And I think, you know, with the financial situation, what it is in the country and obviously with the league, uh, I think we're going to hear a lot of rumors and I would not, I think they're going to keep their ear to the ground on e- every one of them. And I, I think if there's something where they hear it and it's like, all right, this is too good to pass up. They're going to jump on it. And if it's something where it's like, you know what? Nope. It's too much. Um, they'll just keep going. I, but you know, and Ian Bagley, you know, for SNY says something to this effect a few times this week, this, this regime is not hell bent on. All right. We got to do it. We got to take this path. Right. Or we got to take this path. It's like, they're going to, they're going to keep their ears open and then, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see what's up. And and that's it, which I like. I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, bro, it's, just, it's, it's, it's promising what we have so far. It's, it's, it's not like, it's not like there's false hope or anything like that. It's, 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 it's just about getting this young core, um, just under some actual development. Like we, we, we haven't actually had, any development guys in the past, I don't know how long, you know what I mean? And, and the, the, the bad thing that we always do is put a bad team together that doesn't work, so either trade everybody away or don't sign guys back in like the, the you know, is sometimes it doesn't work in the best way, which is why a lot of teams get blown up, like which I think Sixers are, are going to eventually do and Houston is going to eventually do. Um, but it, it definitely helps to just having like a core that actually plays together for um, an amount of years and actually knows how to play together. You know, you, you can't actually win games if, if you keep changing your fucking team every single season. You know what I mean? I've said it for a long time. I think consistency is the most underrated thing a team could have in the yeah. NBA. Um, and look, credit, credit to an organization like Miami. And I, again, it pains me to say those words, but I have to, where they've gotten it to the point where this, like the culture that they have, it's like, it, it almost supersedes like, yes, they have some guys that are there year in and year out, but they could like, that's what, that's basketball nirvana, right? When you know, all right, if we bring in this type of guy, it will get him in our program and like what we're doing. I'm not even worried about that. I I, I just want to get to a point where we could look at the roster and say like, okay, we have five guys who have been here for, you know, four seasons in a row. Like that's, they haven't even had that in a long time. And listen, maybe we got a few of them. We'll find out. Man, if they could, if they extend Frank, if they extend Frank before the season, 
I everything like do I talk about everything else is gravy? Everything else will be gravy mm-hmm. if they if they throw him. And not a lot of money. It's not gonna cost a lot to get that dude. He's trust yeah. me. He doesn't need a lot. This is this the season? Is this the time for him to get extended? They, so they can extend him up until I don't. I mean the the dates are all gonna change, but it's his fourth season. So up until it's probably gonna be a few days after the season starts, they could they could extend okay. his. His rookie contract, yeah, for up to you know five years if they want, but well, I'll I'll, I'll take three. I'll take three years. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot before I get you out of here. I I did the a, mm-hmm. a call in show uh, a month or two ago in which I asked everybody um, to give me some win predictions. That was I think they had just made the tips higher in the midst of those. So you're not in a disadvantage. You still with no, nobody knows the roster yet. So I'm, you're mm-hmm. going to be on par with everybody else who gave an answer. I think the answers to that ranged from, let me see, I have my card up here. I think the lowest was 28. And I think mm-hmm. um, my mom, who did not know how many games they play in a season, said 50 wins. <laughs> um, but other other than her, I think the most, the most wins predicted was 42. So I think the range was 28 mm-hmm. to 42. Um, mm-hmm. How optimistic are you feeling? Um. I really like the coaching staff, uh, and I think if you can get a guy in here like CP3 or, or Conley, um, and get a shooter at the four, like those those two things to me are like the most important things to me. I think if you can pull both of those off, the same way you're pulling all the right moves with the front office and the coaching staff, I would say. You know, at least thirty games, and and I think you know with with Tibbs, I don't think you know I, you know he's he's a great coach and he's had a, a few bad seasons, but you know overall he's a winner. So I don't think he's gonna come in here and and you know not you know deliver in some way. Not that I'm putting him to 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 you know that pedestal where it's like he's going to come in here and save us and whatever about a brand new team. I, I don't know. Really he, feel like, he don't need to save anything. You know just I mean? be just be competent. Just be professional. You know. Literally. That, that's, 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 listen, and that's a I nice thing, right? It's not going to take much. And, exactly. I, I can't see Tibbs coming in here and us winning fucking 24 games or 27 games. Like I, I There's something about that and, and him and Leon together and just, just all these little steps that they took this off season just doesn't, you know. And 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 obviously you got to you got to get the players. You can't just only have the coach and, and no players. Well, but listen, you said Connolly. You said Connolly. If they got, I I I am of the opinion that they will be, they will nudge up against thirty wins. I think that's where I'm at right now. That could change. Mm-hmm. The biggest. I don't. I don't think CP3 is going to happen. If they got Connolly, if that's a real thing and they actually mm-hmm. want to get rid of Connolly's money, like that would make me, I think, I don't know how significantly it would make me alter my opinion, but that would make me think higher of, of what they could so do he, next he's season. He's still a good player, bro. He's, Dude, Connolly's. I mean, the, the, injury, the, the injury history scares me a little bit, but, but he's competent, bro. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? If he was here to even mentor the young guys, and I, I think he he would still just be able to deliver in the East. I mean, the East doesn't have a lot of great 
point guards necessarily. I mean, with like you know the exception of you know of like a Trey Young. There's a few, but, guys, but listen, talk about being motivated. He is. I. Th- I mean, I would really have to think about this harder, but like he's in the conversation for the best player ever to never make an All Star team. And if he got traded to the Knicks next year, man, he'd have a he'd have a shot. He'd have a better shot than he did yeah, all those years in Memphis. Has he never made a, a, an All Star team? He has, ne- unless I'm unless I forgot a year. I remember for a while. I'm gonna look it up right now as I'm talking to you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he and it was him and the other guy. Um, that never made it for the longest time was Goran Dragic. And even though Goran Dragic made all NBA third team one year, which is crazy, he didn't even make an all-star mm-hmm. team the year that he made all defense. Yeah. Connolly made one all defensive team in 2012, 2013 and never made an all-star team. Wow. I'm telling it's, he's in, he's in the conversation. I mean, you mentioned Jay crossover before he's in that same conversation mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple other guys that, that are in it, but he's man, he might be close to the top of that list. So yeah, if he, if they got him and he balled out, if they were like anywhere near 500, I think he'd get consideration for sure. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. It's it's just, bro, it's, it's an opportunity. I mean, I can't help myself, but to be opportunistic about this team, we have to be, which is my fault. Uh, but but right now it's just it's 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 looking all right for us, bro. I, it's, it's, if I if I had to you know challenge it in the next fans, it's like we got to be patient. You know, obviously that's cliche, but you know uh, we're obviously not going to win a ring in the next two to three years. So for me, it's just let's just enjoy this. You know, the, the building of the foundation. We got all the right guys in the front office now. You know, especially with like Walt Perry, and you know, it seems like these guys are, are coming from places where they knew what they were doing. I hope like this this little Knicks curse is not real, and then they just come here and just have ter- terrible careers now. You know what I'm saying? But there's, I, I, know, it's, I it's, think there's too many of them. I think there's too many. That's the thing I yeah, keep coming bro. back to. There's too many competent guys. Okay, you want to tell me one guy comes into here? And the garden stink gets attached to him, like the the quote unquote garden stink. Because listen, qualified people have come here and failed. There is no there is no question about it. It has happened. But one guy, two guys, maybe. There's a lot of guys here now, and I I look I, like look you you put. You blame yourself for still being optimistic. You're only you're. I mean, I, I could call you a kid because I'm an old man. I'm an old man, and I'm still optimistic. What the hell is wrong with me? Um, that's that's all I have to say about that. It's it's just that thing of being a Knicks fan. It's the reason that they sell out almost every year or or every year period. It's just like it's that. It's that hope that they, I don't know, it's like no matter what team you put out on the floor, I just can't help but, but you know what I'm saying, blue, orange, and blue. It's just like, I don't know, it's just, it's my team, bro. So, and, and, and now they're actually not doing boneheaded shit. It's like it just makes you want to root for them even more and root for these young guys to just actually get into their, you know, their, uh, their thing. And it's, it's like, it's, you know, you could say whatever you want about the KP trade, but, you know, it's, it's in the past. It's done. 
It's done. It's in the past. Yeah. Every, all this stuff is in the past. Um, I've written about the past yeah. enough. I just, I, like you, man, I'm ready to look forward. Uh, here, here's what we're going to do. Exactly. All, all right. Um, whether it's, I don't know, whatever happens first, um, next mm-hmm. off season, uh, you getting your next big gig or you putting out your next album. Um, one of those mm-hmm. three, you, you're coming back on and I, I am, I am confident that when you do, we, it, it, we will have some actual real, like they will put some of these things into practice and there's going to be good stuff for us. For talking sure. About. For sure, man. I'm, 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 I'm hyped. I'm hyped about, about what's coming for sure. All about it. Uh, I'm here for it too. Um, listen, I, I know we've talked about all this stuff already, but can you, um, just, if you could do me the honor of telling everybody listening, um, where they could, I guess, uh, get your album or, or I don't know. What's what's mm-hmm. I've never, I don't usually have this high profile of a guest on. Usually it's people saying, yeah. find me on Twitter or whatever. Um, tell folks <laughs> where they can find your stuff, man. Um, yeah, a little shameless plug, uh, you could uh, you basically could find my uh, my album Twenty One XXI on all music platforms Spotify Apple Music uh, anywhere you listen to music. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Aubrey Omari. Same with my Twitter and uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to shoot this my 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 first lead role in the movie this. In, in about November or, or December, so I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Oh, congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you, bro. It's 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 a it's a it's a really uh it's a really interesting story. Like it's something that I'm really really passionate about. So uh, I'm excited, especially with with everything going on with with you know this this movement right now and, and a lot of the injustices that are still going on. So um, it's it's, it's exciting, but um. But yeah, bro, I'm 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 willing to come back on the show anytime, bro. It was, it was great talking to you. I love what you do, for real. For I, real. That it really does mean a lot. And uh thank you for that. And thank you for thank you for using your voice in a way that um I wish more people did. And uh hopefully, you know, there are kids in whether it be East New York or Canarsie or out in LA or anywhere um, that hear you and see what you're doing and that, um, you know, maybe get a little inspiration from that and uh, we can continue seeing some changes happen um, from here on in because, you know, we need it. Uh, just we need it. Um, so thank you uh, for everything that you do, man. Uh, thank you, bro. Thank you. And keep keep going with this, man. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to be listening. <laughs> You know, I got For nothing sure. better to do. Uh, it's really, I, I'm out here living low, in Long Island. There ain't shit to do out here. So it's really just like, way to pass the time. That's all. <laughs> no, yeah. But all right, bro. Just, just keep in touch. I will, man. It, th- thanks again for coming on. This was awesome. And uh, yeah, man, we'll talk soon. All right, bro? Of course. All right, bro. Be well. All right. That was fun. I, 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 I like talking to young cool people maybe it's because i am so old and so uncool but um aubrey's good dude and uh that was a great conversation i hope you uh enjoyed it and uh just a heads up we are going to have some more draft coverage on the show we're going to be talking to some people who have uh 
some particular insight in some prospects that are on the Knicks' radar coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. We're going to continue having the usual Sunday show with myself and Jeremy. Maybe even try to get a couple other uh, special guests like we did with Prez this past weekend. So keep an eye out for that. And um, yeah, we're chugging along. Before you know it, it'll be the draft. It'll be free agency. It'll be all the fun things. So um, thank you again for sticking with the Knicks Film School podcast. I am um, honored that anyone listens to this. So uh, if you do, um, thank you. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you with another episode very soon. 